Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Welsh Rugby Podcast. You know the drill by now, I'm Matt Southgoombe and I'm joined by rugby writers Andy Howell and Simon Thomas. We're here to discuss Wales' final Autumn International match against South Africa. Um, Simon, they won 27-13, uh, a better performance uh, from Wales, but... Um, Still not quite at the level um, we'd like to see them at. Yeah, it was an improvement. I mean, I think we've got to put this in context. You know, I've, <laughs> I've watched Wales play South Africa a lot of times, and that is by some distance the worst Springbok side I've ever seen come to these shores or play anywhere else for that matter. But you can only play against what you're up against, and it was it was a pretty comfortable win for Wales, two tries, and it was generally I think you'd have to agree that it was probably the best performance of the autumn overall, and there was a, a sense of improvement. But as Rob Howley himself said in the press comments afterwards, they will need to go up another level come the Six Nations. Andy, how do you see it? Much as uh, Simon did, but was it the best performance of the autumn? I mean, Wales had so much time and space on the ball against South Africa, probably they should have scored a lot more points. Perhaps the most best performance it was against Argentina, which was a much tougher game, was a real scrap, a lot harder, a lot less... Uh, uh, space on the pitch, but they managed to come through that one. Uh, I mean, South Africa, really, you know, you, you wonder where they're heading, don't you? It was once great uh, superpower, the walls of their empire has come crashing down. So, would you say they had it easy today? They had it fairly easy because when South Africa had the ball, they, they, they didn't keep it for very long because they just kept making mistakes, often uh, unforced errors, and some of their players looked out of their depth. However, they did cause Wales some problems in certain areas. The scrum, Welsh scrum wasn't fantastic and teams will target that during the Six Nations. And the other area, which nearly every other, well certainly all the Southern Hemisphere teams, probably England and Ireland and Scotland, are way ahead of England, <coughs> is the speed at which they recycle the ball. Even this poor South African rookie team you know, produce a lot quicker ball than Wales. Uh, Wales is uh, uh, hamstrung by the slow ball they produce. So I've seen a lot of things um, in the early aftermath of this game. Some people saying... You know, we've beaten South Africa 14-0. We shouldn't be turning our noses up at this, but let's be frank, that was a, a woeful South African team. Yeah, and he's touching on They've got major problems, you know, and um, speaking to a few of the South African journalists afterwards, there's going to be a lot of um, sort of, you know, people wanting answers back home. There's going to be big inquiries and investigations into it. But the bottom line is that they, they don't have the players of old. Um, if you look at it now, the likes of Habana and Peterson probably come towards the end of their careers and so many South African players are leaving that country to go and play overseas. There always seem to be political issues in the country as well. And I mean, so the two halfbacks who started today, I mean, they really didn't look like international players, I'm afraid. And uh, to be honest, if that South African team was playing in the Pro 12, they'd probably be about mid-table. <laughs> and would you make that South Africans today? Oh, they were poor, weren't they? <laughs> just, just as simple as that. Just as simple as that. You didn't have a clue, were they? You know, <laughs> that scrum half, how is he playing international rugby or professional rugby even? He's useless. Looked like David Soule. And Elton Janji's, you know, it's exactly what I expected. Yeah. Heather Strewn makes mistakes, clearly not up to the, uh, to, to this uh, to this level. I was impressed, quite impressed with the ones, the, the centre venter. Yeah. I thought he was a good player, but of course he didn't get that much of the uh, uh, of the ball. But, uh, you know, they were poor, really, when they just looked like a team had been uh, uh, thrown together because the coach had had a guts full of the old, uh, the, the, um, some of his older players who were against uh, New Zealand a few weeks ago. You know, they just gave up tackling in the second half and uh, and just waved New Zealand through. It almost did look a bit like a coach who, know, who knows he's going to lose his job, it, perhaps, you know. I, I tell you what it reminded me of, Matt. It reminded me 
1998, Wembley, Wales nil, France 51, when the Welsh defence just parted and waved the, <laughs> waved the French through, and it spelt the end for Kevin Bowen as coach. He was gone within a matter, matter of days. OK, so it's clear, clear South Africa have got their, their problems. Um, by the way, if you can dig out the quotes um, from Alistair Kutsia and Adrian Strauss after the match, I'd certainly look for those very honest in their assessment. I think there's going to be some big changes coming in South African rugby over the next few months. Um, anyway, back to Wales. Some positives. Justin Tipperick today and stand-up performer. Well, Tipperick is the best open side uh, flanker in Wales. I know Sam Wilburton's got his fans. I like Sam. I think he's a really good player. Fantastic bloke, but uh, Tipperich's all-round game is better than Sam's. We saw that today when he's got the ball in his hands. And in fact, his try, the work of uh, Justin and uh, Talupi Falatel actually puts the backs to the shame because they showed out a cracker defence through vision, skill, timing of the pass and hitting the gap. Falatel brilliantly delayed his pass. Tipperich was running full pelt and picked the gap. Falatel put the ball in the gap. He just hit it straight through and a great sidestep to finish. How often do we see the Wales backs doing that today? No, there was an instance. Wales <coughs> had a potentially three-on-one. And Jonathan Davis, though, he went close to scoring, actually act outside and run the guys outside him out of play. Oh, I think he was a bit, bit harsh on Jonathan Davis in that instance. I think he fended off the second row and that sort of pushed him into Liam Williams' sh- space. Shouldn't default? he have drawn the second row, run straight there, as, as the other Jonathan Davis, the pundit, said? Shouldn't he have drawn the, the lock and straightened and Wales have created the the, uh, the extra man as Australia did for one of their tries against Ireland today? What I felt about Tipperick today, Matt, watching him was, along with Scott Williams, he he, he gave Wales an extra dimension with, with the passing range, the range of passing we suddenly have there. And it, there was, I think, one move, so he handled about four times in the, in the mm. course of it, scrum half at one point, centre another point, and he just got a lovely footed ability. And it wasn't just that as well, there was you know some very good work in defence, Lovely steal off Goosen, the fullback at one point. He even kicked a couple of balls, and then yeah. obviously capped it all off with the try. Lovely combination with Falatau, and just the ability to pick the line off the, the pop from Tolupe, and then to round Goosen for the try. I mean, it's interesting. Andy touched on Warburton. You know, um, obviously, sadly, Dan Lidget looks like he's out for a long while now. Could well be out for a while with that knee injury. But come the Six Nations, you're going to have a case of having to perm three from form, really, because you've got. Moriarty's been such a success this year. Falato came back today and showed what a class player is. And then you got Tipperick and Warburton. So what do you do? Yeah. Wales, of course, are as well short of ball carriers. So I'd say that starting back row in the Six Nations should be Moriarty at six, Tipperick at seven, and Falato at eight, particularly if they want to play this more expansive type of game because all those three guys are athletic and can handle the ball. Do you think that will happen, though? That's Rob Bowley. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're, if you're Why Sam not? Wal- well, I just wonder what you thought. If you're Sam Warburton now and you, you're watching that today, um, and let's be fair, I mean, it's not the first time that Tipperick has produced on the big stage. You, you know, Sam, Sam must surely be worried about his place in the side, surely. Well, he may be, but Sam's such a laid-back uh, guy. He's probably as, uh, equally as worried about Tottenham Hotspur's performance today. He's a massive Spurs fan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was interesting. If you look back at the first game against Argentina, which Tipperick started, I think generally we accepted that the, the Wales came second-best in the contact area in that game and were unable you, to sort of you, impose... Do you mean Argentina Australia? It's a, sorry, against Australia, if I said that wrong. Against Australia in the first game, you know, we, we did come second best in that area. And Warburton came in for the game against Argentina, along with the likes of Adam Wynne-Jones. We were much more aggressive in that contact area, I thought. So, 
you know, Warburton, Warburton brings his strengths, but what I would say is, I having watched Tipperick today, the all-round game that he produced, I'm, it is almost impossible to leave him outside. Hang on, hang on, I'm not having that. <laughs> <laughs> there were you, what breakdowns against Australia? Australia, Wales' problem against Australia was the uh, front-line defence, was picking the wrong man to tackle. Australia were just running through gaps. That was a bit like the French against Wales back in uh, in '98. So there wasn't that many breakdowns. And when there was breakdowns, Wales were on a back foot. The other thing, and th- and that day, Australia's locks, mm. Coleman, and uh, Arnold were smashing Wales out of the way. But what was at happening? The that they were smashing Wales. The Wales locks were anonymous. Yeah, in yeah that but match, what was of ha- course there was no Alan. What was Jones. happening in that Australia game? Looking back on it, back on it, is the is the the, the gain line defence Wales was not gain line defence. We were going backwards in the in the defence. Australia were going forwards and they were getting quick ball. We were unable to slow them down either in yeah. the tackle or at the contact area, the breakdown. And that's all I was saying is that then. Wales had to address that and change the, well, the, again with the, Warburton the diffi- coming in. The difficulty of slowing a ball down at the breakdown, what the Southern Hemisphere teams are so good at, is they place the ball. They are trained mm. to place the ball back when doing it. If the support there, it's impossible to win a turnover. The time you win turnovers is fine players are isolated, mm. but they weren't getting isolated. They were in numbers. There's I think no point contesting right. David Pocock, right? He's yeah. a great flanker. He's Australian. Richie McCaw, great flank, fantastic, one of the world's greatest players. They did not contest the breakdown unless they knew they had it, they were going to win the ball mm. they just stood out and watched they just stand looked around the field waiting for the moment to strike like well, a panther I think we both <laughs> I think we both agree that Tipperick was absolutely outstanding against uh, South Africa in this game I'm just saying that there are always going to be this debate about what you're looking from from your back row yeah, forwards yeah but I'm accusing you now of being typically <laughs> Welsh and a player can have four positives and one negative and what do you do pick up on a negative all right, let me jump in there. What, what, what you guys have had back home there is just an insight into what a day is like in the office with Andy and Simon. Um, very rarely eye to eye. Back to the game. Um, let's talk about the back three. Positional switch there. Liam Williams and Lee Halfpenny switched. A decision that bemused some, some understood, some didn't. Um, what do you think the back three went? Well, that decision was taken because uh, uh, Liam Williams uh, doesn't pass the ball that much, uh, as the stats show. And uh, so they put him back on a wing where you tend to be more on the end of things than a fullback where you need to link with other players. Uh, today he had the ball seven times, he passed once. Uh, I, I don't think you can really judge on how it went today because Liam, of course, was injured and, uh, and departed, which was a shame in itself because it meant we never saw Sam Davis at the outside half. He had to come on and go to fullback and half penny went to the, uh, uh, to the wing because I think that game was made for uh, Sam Davis. In the second half, when Wales went 20 points to six up, I thought they could open up and perhaps get up to 40 points. But uh, uh, Sam, of course, like I said, was at full-back. I would have been inclined myself to put him at outside half because I think with all that time and space, he could have taken them apart with his range of passing and put Daniel Bigger to full-back, where I've seen him play for the Ospreys in the past, and he's an excellent number 15. But, of course, I can understand Bigger not wanting to give up the... Uh, the keys of number 10 because if uh, Davis went to that position and had a great game that means there's more of a debate about who plays against Italy in Six Nations On that side um, does that highlight the issue when you don't put back three cover on your bench I mean Jamie Roberts is on the bench today um, and I, I said in the week if Liam Williams gets into Wales have got a problem because they're going to have to play somebody at fullback. I know Sam Davis is comfortable there but he's a 10 isn't he, really? yeah especially as George North good to cover centre exactly so is it a mistake in the first place to leave Roberts on the bench and not put a back three cover? Yeah, you can see why they did it, can't you? I think they're probably loath to dispense with Jamie from the 23 at all. He's been such a big part of the setup. 
and they would probably view that if they had um, a centre issue, they would need to have him board. But certainly in terms of the makeup of the squad, it would have made more sense to have had a back three player. And obviously one option would have been Keelan, Keelan Giles, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I think Jamie was on the bench for a simple reason. He's a big name. So you don't, you don't think they had the, um, I suppose, the courage to drop him altogether from the squad? Correct. <laughs> That's that then, fair enough. OK, the, the wings today, uh, let's briefly talk about them, Liam and George. Um, I thought they were fairly anonymous, but in all fairness, every time they had the ball, they seemed to be... I, I'm going to agree with you here, even though I disagreed with you earlier. Both Every time they had the ball, they were getting pushed out of space. Is that a problem with the game plan? Is that a problem with them not coming looking for the ball? There, weren't, there weren't many line breaks today, were there? No. To be honest, you look no. at it, there was the Jonathan Davis one, and apart from that, there wasn't much. It wasn't that kind of game in some ways, was it? it but... I think if you look at the two wings, I mean, Liam had a very positive game against Argentina. Um, it's been quite a tough campaign for George North, in fairness. I mean, he missed two or three, four tackles maybe against Australia. Hasn't really been able to make much yardage. And after having such a positive start to the Tour of New Zealand, he was excellent in that first test. It hasn't really happened from this year. So, I mean, certain, what do you think? I, I mean, that. Liam had a go today, didn't he? As he always did. When yeah, he carried yeah, a ball yeah, and all, does. he gives it a go. He turned up on the right-hand side once and he did some damage. Yeah. Uh, George, uh, again, has been uh, has had players all over him. When he's got the boy, didn't make much headway today. Didn't make much uh, headway against um, Argentina, was it? Mm. Yeah, and uh, he's disappointed. And of course, the day they kicked on him once, and then he dropped that ball in the air. You know, teams do target him. I'm afraid under the uh, with cross kicks and uh, defensively. But uh, you know, uh, North at his best is a, such a strike weapon. But like Alex Cuthbert, he's not at his best. Okay, do you think they're persisting with him in the hope that? It's only going to take uh, one game you, or one moment well, for him to return you, back to his best form. Do you know what, Matthew? I I think Wales do don't pick on form often. They pick on reputation and okay. past exploits. I think it's time they started picking on form. It's fairly conclusive. We've um, touched on the centres. Scott Williams in for Jamie Roberts. Sorry, assess Scott Williams. Yeah, I thought some of his passing was very intuitive and like long passing. And you hit Jonathan Davis with to put him in that outside channel. He's got that range, isn't he? That he can play the short ball, the long ball. And I think that you have to make a decision now where we're going. If we are going to play an expansive game, if we are going to play a ball-handling game where it's 1-15 to 15 on your back and everyone's comfortable with it, he's in such a key position there at 12 and he does offer something different. And personally, I think it's probably now to give him, right to give him a run in the side at 12. Well, perhaps they could put Falato and uh, Tip Rich in the centre. They look a pretty good, <laughs> good combination opening things up. The other guy who should come in the equation, if he can continue playing and uh, improving his fitness, is Ashley Beck. Because he's such a good footballer. Created a brilliant uh, uh, try yesterday for the Ospreys again. He's just a superb player. Got the handling range. Got the vision. And when he's played for Wales in the past, Wales were a serious attacking threat. But with his injury issues, you know, you wonder if he'd be able to be able to train enough for Wales to consider him. The other name I throw into that mix is Owen Williams at Leicester. He can play ten at twelve. He consistently plays for them. Always receives rave reviews from Richard Cockrell, and he hasn't really figured so far. But I think he's somebody you could add, you know, another option to the, the Welsh midfield. That's why. That's why actually why you need a Wales eighteen to play some matches so you can see people. Yeah, like well, I think there will be one. I think one game is planned either against England or Ireland in the new year, so that may be an opportunity. Interesting. Interesting. Um, one thing I commented on before the game today was I wanted more control from the half-backs. Um, 
I don't think we anybody at nine and ten from for Wales can say that they've had a good game in this autumn series as far as I'm concerned. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I'm out to be proved I, wrong. I, I thought Bigger was decent today. In yeah, but, so before the game, I was I was talking right. about the last the first three oh. games. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I'm asking really. Do you think Dan Bigger put in an improved performance I, today? I think Dan Bigger does, does what Dan does well. I mean, he through a lot of his own personal exploits ensured that we kind of won the aerial battle a couple of you know trademark leaps to catch his own ball I think it, it was a little chip over the top wasn't it that yeah. led to this, the, the yellow yeah. carding of the South African um, scrum off which was a crucial period of the game yeah I thought he was, it was a tidy game for Dan today but it was interesting as Andy says it would have been nice perhaps to see Sam Davis get 15-20 minutes to see what he can do yeah. but I think those two are clearly now a step ahead of Gareth Anscombe at this point in time is that fair to say? Yeah I think so yeah absolutely I, I was I was quite pleased today actually I thought Gareth Davis went a lot better yeah I thought, I, was gonna I, ask thought, I thought he had um, a lot more control today uh, you know he didn't he wasn't blink to, to blinkered and he didn't go off uh, message and try and go himself all the time he did uh, you know he played a number nine link role and his kicking was a bit better as well today but of course everything we've said so far is tempered by the fact that Wales did have time and space on the ball today and that makes such a uh, uh, such a difference um Finally, then, the type five. Um, let's assess eight performances. I thought Gethin um, was useful at the breakdown. Ken Owens, I thought, had a good game as well. So, what did you mean? Well, if you think five? of Gethin, he turned 36 just a week or so ago. And again, his performance at the breakdown was immense in defence. He's got this um, technique, almost like a butterfly stroke in swimming, where he swoops over the ball. And he did it on a couple of occasions. One clean um, take, which is great to watch and his, his engine still keeps on going he spoke well after the game as well I thought you know but he still clearly sees himself very part of, much part of this setup. he's got another year to go at the Blues you know that, that 145 caps I think it is that uh, that McCaw has got it's not impossible not out of, it, out of his range um, Ken Owens you know, strong performance, um, which he capped with his try. Thomas Francis, it would have had a positive in autumn I think he he had a few issues against the Beast today who um, you know, is not the only, probably not the first, not the, first <laughs> or not the last. Uh, I think early on he, his knee went down on the ground and a little bit of pressure. Um, so and given that Samson probably hasn't had the greatest autumn, that tight head position. And you put a grain price of it, Andy, mm. didn't you? And I think that tight head position is still a little bit of a concern for Wales. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Ken, uh, Ken Owens, great to see him scoring a try. He's such a popular bloke, a nice fella, and all that. I think he was a bit in and out today. He didn't start off uh, too well, but he got you know he took his took got the try and uh, he improved as the game uh, went on Wales of course uh, uh, would be in a bit of a quandary time it comes the uh, Six Nations they pick him or Baldwin Scott Baldwin at hooker against Italy um, you know that could actually could come out of the uh, uh, form and the derbies yeah. uh, between the re- uh, regions Second rows today, much of a muchness. I mean, you get what you get from Alan Will and Luke Charters, don't you, say? Yeah, it was hard work there, wasn't there? I mean, they both got involved. They both looked to get their hands on the ball. Um, I think Alan Wynn, you know, when you consider the, what, what he's been through this autumn, he's had, yeah. he's had a you know, really characterful campaign. He's such an important figure. Um, I think generally the, the forward unit was was a, was solid today. And was yeah, solid. Alan Wynn was up against a good lock today, mind you. Yeah. You know, who, who actually got the better of Alan Wynn in the World Cup quarter final. Yeah. You know, he, he's a decent player. So uh, that you know, but I would like to see a bit more. Uh, 
perhaps dynamism from uh, Wales's forwards and uh, and and the locks because you know when you look at the All Blacks locks how dynamic they are with ball in hand. Although Alan Wynn did show some good signs didn't he against uh, Japan he had a great run broke the defence yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's starting to hit the ball. What we really case. need because I mean Alan Wynn's is he 30, 31 now and uh, Luke Chartlish will be 34 in March Bradley's late 20s maybe 30 what you really do need over the next year is is a young second row to really come through Corey Hill has obviously come through and made it Adam Beard just remember that name Adam Beard there we are you hit it here first Adam Beard got a fan <laughs> in this office is he <laughs> yes he has yes okay. yeah, he's, a, he's a real prospect yeah, and he's got a bit of a feisty edge about him <laughs> just like yeah. him I got a question on Matt can I ask a question in your podcast Matt <laughs> yeah, the question I want to ask Simon and I'm going to ask you this Matt okay when we talk about the aerial battle, mm-hmm. what do they mean when they when they talk about the aerial battle? I've always I always understood it to mean that essentially you, through a kicking contest, it's the team that ends up further down the pitch than the other one. So you mean a game of gain ends? Well, well it is, isn't it? It's whoever whoever gains the most yardage during that phase of play. So if I start on my own twenty-two and the phase it ends with me with the ball. On the halfway line, I've won the kicking battle. So what about when you do like a 10 or 15 metre chip, which Daniel Bigger is an expert at? Well, that's also winning the aerial battle, isn't it? Because and who gets the ball then, doesn't it? Well, it does, yeah. So if you so regain the ball then, you've got momentum, you're in behind the defence, the defence is scrambling, they're out of position, and then you're on the front foot. Okay. What about if you lose the ball? Because the most well, you're in trouble then, Is it 50-50 with Dan Biggers? I think I'd like to think his percentage is a bit better. Oh, he's good. He's good at it, and he's a master at it because he's so good in the air himself, yeah. and off the ground, you know. Why is that? You got a problem with the? With well, the sometimes they come up with these terms, don't they? It's like the landscape of the game. <laughs> you know, what is that something to do with gardening or what? <laughs> All right, we've um, as we've highlighted throughout here, um, and as you've been quick to point out, Dan, this has all been tempered by the fact that we were playing against. Not the best South Africa side, well, one of the worst you've said that you've seen. Side. Yeah, it is, yeah. In, still the, the Springboks, mind. Yes. They are still the Springboks, yeah. yeah. But So they've won now, they've won their last three games on the bounce. What about this stat, Matt? Wales have won seven of their last eight fixtures as Rob Ho- with Rob Holy as head coach. So my question to you then, are stats like that going to paper over the cracks over the next two and a half months? Yes. Should they? They shouldn't, should they? Should, should you know? I might be in harsh here, right? But there was a period in that game where Wales, what was it, twenty six up, something like that. Yeah, they should have killed the game off. They should have won yeah. that game by forty points. South Africa then got back to twenty thirteen. Yeah, I think it was a drop, you missed know? drop goal, but Dan yeah. Bigger, we should have taken us three points, yeah. and three it, scores I'll, clear. I'll be honest. Yeah. And at Why the time, for a drop goal and at the time, yeah. yeah, exactly. I was, we were saying, you know, they. They go, why go for a drop goal when you think Wales be looking to score tries and go and win the game? But is it, is, when South Africa came back and scored, I was thinking, you know, it's a pretty that drop goal thing go over. Yeah, You oh, can see the logic of it. You, you can, but I mean... But I thought South Africa with that poor, you should be going on to try and kill, kill you know, they, they scored the try, but there was no way they should have been in the game at that stage. The I, game I, should have been dead and buried. I surely. think if you look at the question you ask, it has today papered over the cracks. I mean, I think it has to a certain extent because... Well, that's because Wales are still blunt in attack. It, it has in the sense that you know you, you can trot out they won three out of four, which is one of the best autumns they've had. But I think most people out there would know that there have been issues this autumn, that it's been less than inspiring overall, and there's still a lot to work on. But I suppose what you do have to say is that at the end of the autumn, they probably it was an improvement in their performance today. But it's so difficult to gauge and, and judge it, it, it because it is, of the yeah, team yeah. they were up it, against. It's Graham Price. We'll find out in the Six Nations. That's what it's Graham Price yeah. says in his Wales Online and Wales on Sunday uh, column. <laughs> good plug, good plug. Wales can be done better than they are performing at the minute. And when you compare them to... England 
and Ireland with streets behind. I thought it was a six out of ten performance today, and it's been a five out of ten autumn. Well, there you go. All right, chaps, we'll um, we'll call it a day there. Um, thanks for joining us, uh, as always, guys. Um, next week, uh, during the week, look out for our um, autumn debrief podcast, where we're all going to be giving our views on how we think Wales have done uh, as a whole throughout the autumn and looking ahead to the regional action and the Six Nations. Um, Thanks for joining us. All the fallout from this win over South Africa will be on Wales Online, as always.